Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Inside Indie Sports Podcast. I'm Tyler James, and I'm joined once again by the one and only Eric Hansen. Together, we cover Notre Dame football, recruiting, and more for InsideIndieSports.com on the Rivals Network. Notre Dame football is six practices into preseason camp on Tuesday, but before the week began, the Irish were busy with one of the biggest recruiting weekends of the summer, and that continued in the early morning Tuesday with the coaching staff able to increase communication directly to 2025 recruits and officially offer written scholarships in the 2024 class. So before we jump into some of your camp questions later in the podcast, we wanted to talk some recruiting. So we asked fan favorite Clint Cosgrove, a national recruiting analyst for rivals based in the Midwest to carve out some time for us today. Clint, thanks for joining us. Oh, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Love talking with you guys. First, welcome back. For those who haven't been following Clint on social media, he's been away for a little bit following the birth of his first child. So congratulations. We really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. And even though we're tired from camp, we we understand you're probably more tired than we are. Uh, I'm running on fumes right now, <laughs> but uh, they're good fumes. <laughs> <laughs> well, just wait till the diaper needs changed. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I told my wife, I was like, uh, there's certain times today that I am I am not here. I am I am here physically, but I am not here. <laughs> All right, Clint, let's 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 hop into some of the guys that visited Notre Dame this past weekend, um, particularly the ones in the Midwest. Um, Notre Dame has been recruiting a lot of guys out of the Midwest, a, a lot of guys from Illinois. Um, I did a Intel recap of some of the guys that I believe Notre Dame leads for, and, and some of those guys are from those Midwest areas. First guy I wanted to talk about was Owen Strebig out of Wisconsin. Notre Dame seems to be out in front there, offensive tackle, certainly pulling a Wisconsin offensive tackle away from Wisconsin isn't easy. How impressive would it be if Notre Dame were able to land him in the long run? I mean, it would be huge. He's, he's that, uh, you know, he's that prototype offensive tackle. Uh, you know, he does have some versatility. He could play guard, but um, you know, he's, he's that legit six, seven, six, eight man up being six, nine, uh, extremely, uh, I don't want to say chiseled, but very lean uh, at whatever weight he is. You know, he's going to be, he, he's a guy who can be like six, nine, 330 pounds and, and, and not have fat on him. So we know him very well. Owen started coming to our, uh, our, our camp. He showed up at our rivals camp. I just, I, I saw him on the list. Didn't know the name. I said, okay, I know he's listed as big and he's from Wisconsin. He showed up, he was big and he was from Wisconsin. He was a freshman <laughs> and he's going up against, you know, the, some of these national recruits and, you know, he, he struggled at first. He, he had never seen anything like that, even though he goes to a big time high school that produces talent um, to be a freshman still growing into your frame when you're already six, seven and all this stuff. Uh, but what I loved about him is you could see the upside. You could see him. He, he never stopped competing. And um, then he shows up at our five-star challenge uh, a little later uh, in the year. And his development in those like four months was absolutely incredible. Now he's going up against even more national recruits and, uh, you know, really, really had, had, had come a long way. Um, and then I went to his first game of the season this year. And I was like, this dude looks like a future pro now. So in the, in the matter of a year and a half, uh, the way he, that he has developed, just his body mechanics, uh, the way he's grown into his frame, his overall athleticism, his ab ability to, you know, move laterally and, and change direction with little to no wasted motion at that size is just so impressive. Uh, you know, he, he's he got the ability to, even if he makes a footwork mistake, he's got so much length and, and a great punch that he can get hands on a defender, extremely heady player, understands the offense schemes, what he sees in front of him. Uh, he, he's a big time player. You can get him out of Wisconsin uh, he grew up a Badger fan, and but he made it clear to me from the beginning that it did not automatically mean he was going to Wisconsin. I know Notre Dame has been, a, you know, a hot one for him for a while, and uh, you know he, he's that prototype. He he looks like those big offensive linemen from Notre Dame that you see walk on the field and, and, and crush people. And so um, I think it would be absolutely huge uh, to get Owen, and uh, I I absolutely think he's he's definitely in play for the Irish. Clint, do you think he's a potential five-star at some point? I mean, I know he, in the last rankings, he rocketed in, I think, at number 78. Do you think he has a chance to get higher than that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's really going to come down to his development. Um, you know, almost like a – I don't want to say Jagusa because they're different, but, um, you know, or Jagasaw is, uh, you know, 
how much of his potential is realized right now versus how much we have to project. And so he has five-star upside all day. I just need to see that next step. We need to know for sure that he is going to dominate. Now, I know he's going to be a very good player and, and likely a future draft pick. We've got to see that he's going to be a first-rounder for him to be that five-star. He has every tool that there is imaginable to be a five-star and future first-round draft pick. He could end up being the best offense tackle in the country. Um, so he'll he'll be in that conversation without question. It's just going to come down to development, what we see on the field. Does he get that? Uh, you know, he's a nice kid, but – you know, does he, does he get that mean streak and all that stuff? But I absolutely love Owen, uh, you know, gr great kid, great family. And uh, like I said, he has all of the tools to be a five-star and it, it would not shock me if he ends up being a five-star whatsoever. Clint, the, the first commitment out of Notre Dame's recruiting weekend came down right as we started to record the podcast, as we expected running back, Justin Thurman, um, who's actually been playing in Tampa, but is originally from St. Louis, uh, 2025 recruit four-star prospect by rivals. What can you tell us about what you know about Justin Thurman and that get for the Irish? Well, you got a home run hitter. Uh, the kid can run and uh, he, he can do a lot. You know, it's funny. He he's, he's got good size, but he, he, that old school, remember the way Christian Coya used to run or he's kind of just, you know, like it looks like he's battling through everything. <laughs> like that's kind of, he just runs violently and um, he hits the hole and, and he can take it the distance he can contribute in the return game. Um, there's just so much to like about him. You know, he's a young kid, uh, not a ton of film out there. You know, he, like you said, he's, he's transferred and everything like that. But like just what you do see from him on film, he is electric. I think he's got a ton of upside. Uh, he, he can be a game breaker running back. Uh, I think he's a special player, you know, uh, with him. Same thing. You know, how does he grow? How does he develop? Uh, but the one thing you love about him is he hits the hole. And then once he gets, uh, you know, once he gets in the open field, he, he's, he's, uh, he's hard to track down and he can make you miss. So, um, you know, he's, he's a very vertical uh, runner, uh, but he can make that quick cut. He can hit the hole hard. And, you know, there's just so much upside there. And with these young players, uh, you know, you more worry about how many carries that they, they have going into college more than anything, you know, because uh, you want them fresh and, He's the type of player when fresh, he can be a difference maker. Clint, um, you, Tyler mentioned, you know, he had come from St. Louis before he was in Florida. And you think about Jeremiah Love and you think about Christian Gray, Kyron Williams, um, and certainly some guys at Notre Dame chase that couldn't get traction with, like uh, Ryan Wingo and so forth. How good is St. Louis football? Because it wasn't on Notre Dame's radar for a while, and then all of a sudden they've been very active there and they've been somewhat successful there. Yeah, so St. Louis football, <clears throat> going back, uh, I, I grew up kind of around St. Louis football. My dad recruited it for a long time. I used to go on recruiting trips with him there. Um, it has all, it's kind of ebbed and flowed. So back in like the, you know, the, mid to late nineties, early two thousands, producing a ton of elite players. Then there was a little wall and it almost got to the point where it was over recruited. And then really this, this young crop of coaches that came up like, uh, you know, uh, Corey Patterson, who was at uh, Trinity and then Illinois. And now he's at Purdue, uh, Carl Reed, who was at Luther North and Hazelwood West uh, and is now in the media um, you know, you got you know, Spain over at Cardinal Ritter. And then, you know, so there's just, there's a lot of coaches who really care and are really good coaches and they know how to get their kids out there. And so with that has come, you know, a, a big emphasis on, on football. There's always been elite talent, the overall level of football, like, you know, from top to bottom, not be the same as, uh, you know, Chicago, or, you know, you know, obviously Florida and stuff like that, but the elite talent there is some of the best in the nation. I mean, you look at the guys who've come out of there, you name the guys that Notre Dame's gone after. I mean, but you've got your Jamison Williams, your, uh, geez, the running back for the Cowboys. I'm going blank. Zeke Elliott. Uh, Elliott. Yeah, Zeke yeah. Elliott. Um, you know, just like when my dad was at Wisconsin, I mean, uh, Jamar Fletcher, Terrell Fletcher. I mean, Jamar wins the Thorpe Award. Uh, you've got just all of these guys who come out of there 
and they've gone on to have a ton of success. So right now is a very elite period in St. Louis football. There's elite players all over the place. The thing with St. Louis is it's not easy to recruit if you do not have connections there. So uh, Notre Dame's doing it right by like, you can't just show up there and take one player, you know, um, you know, like CBC, they, they put out so many players, coach Pingle over there. He's amazing. Uh, that's like a college program, but you're not just going to walk in there once and be like, I'm going to recruit your one kid and, and not sustain relationships. So anytime you're having success in St. Louis, there's usually a reason for it. And that is you're, you're consistent with your approach. You've taken care of the players that you've taken out of there and, uh, you have relationships there, but elite talent wise, the elite talent in St. Louis is as good as any elite talent in the country. Someone who had a particularly big summer, I think his, his, his profile has been rising is Christopher Burgess jr. Out of Simeon high school in the Chicago, um, Notre Dame has been after him for a while, Ohio state, Michigan getting in the mix. Um, he's getting some attention from the sec. Is this something you anticipated from Christopher and sir, can you describe sort of what's what he's done to maybe take his game to the next level? Yeah. So when I first saw him as a freshman, I was like, this guy's going to be an absolute warlord out there. He's just going to be, you know, demanding what he wants, beating people up. And, um, because <clears throat> he, he was big. <clears throat> then as his development came, he developed as a football player. I was hoping he would kind of get like bigger and longer and he didn't grow as much as I thought. But then what happened is, and he did grow, but what happened was his skill set just developed so much and he's just so strong and, and, uh, you know, he just overpowers people and he's, he's got that big, thick frame, but he can also rush the passer. So he's going to be very sturdy against the run. He's going to be an interior or edge rush threat. There's just so much versatility for him. Um, and so it, it's really come down to, he is a pure upside play as well. He's as good as he is right now. He's extremely raw, um, but he's just powerful, loves football, plays the game nasty with a motor and uh, he's a competitor. So um, yeah, I, 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 I had a feeling it would happen. I just didn't know to what extent mm-hmm. uh, I knew he would be a national recruit. I just didn't know if he would have a, you know, 70 offer type, which, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of trending in that direction right now. So, right. Um, but heck of a player, uh, he's had a great program that has produced players and uh, he's, he's only going to get better. He, uh, I had a chance to talk to him a few weeks ago and really fun guy to talk to. And, really honest um about <laughs> you know i asked him about the chicago public league and he goes well there's three schools that are good uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you say kenwood them and uh morgan park yes exactly so but um you know he really likes al washington at notre dame it seems like he likes ohio state a lot uh, are you getting a feel for where he might end up or or who's going to be in the battle at the end for him i really think it's wide open with okay. him a lot of, a lot of these guys especially the chicago kids you know they're going to explore their opportunities um like for instance like malik elzy last year he's first time he had ever been to texas was for uh you know playing in an all-american game and so like you know they they, they want to take in that experience and see as many places as they can. And so a lot of times, uh, you know, the more options you explore, uh, the longer the process can take. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think he's wide open right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he stays kind of in the region. Uh, now he's, he's going to be able to play in any region he wants, but you know, Ohio state, Michigan, Notre Dame, whatever it may be. Um, I could see him going to any of those schools and being a very good fit, but you know, he'll, 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 he'll tell you his recruitment's open. I'm sure he did when you, you were talking to him. Um, you know, he'll start tipping the hat at some point, but even if they do have some favorites, uh, you know, a lot of the time the, the Chicago kids, they'll talk to you off the record. You know, these two or three kind of stand out, but they're going to let you know that they're wide open until they're not. Okay. Speaking of Chicago kids, while you were on paternity leave, Justin Scott <laughs> commits to Ohio state and nobody had their graphics ready. And uh, yep. so it was, it was a surprise. So first of all, how surprised were you? Secondly, Notre Dame seems very ambitious in terms of wanting to try to flip them and thinking they have a shot. So what are your thoughts on those two things? Um, I was surprised. Uh, I, I really was. He, although he did tell me, if I remember correctly, um, 
that it was really, you know, when he had like a, his final five or whatever, he told me only three of those were, were really being considered. And I think Ohio State was one of them, but I didn't think that was going to be the destination, to be honest. And so um, what, what ended up extending his recruitment that was going to go to Notre Dame was a Georgia offer. So then you think he's going to go there or at least hardly, you know, highly consider. And then I don't know what Ohio State did. Um, but they, uh, you know, they, they did some magic and, uh, you know, I know mom wanted them somewhat close to home. Columbus is somewhat close to home compared to a Georgia. So maybe it came down to Ohio state and Notre Dame in the end academic kid. I haven't talked to him since he's committed. Uh, I've tried to not bother him because I think part of the reason he wanted to commit is so people did not bother him. <laughs> Although Justin and I do have a great relationship, um, and I will be in touch with them at some point. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame's not going to give up on this one. Uh, they, you know, they almost had him, and, um, you know, a, a lot can change between now and signing day. Uh, is Justin the type that I see, you know, being like, oh, I'm going to decommit and flip and, and whatever? Not necessarily. Uh, but like I said, a lot can change. Feelings can change. Um, you know, uh, there's just so many variables. These kids are, re- are committing so early now, uh, partially because there's so much pressure on them. They're getting called by 100 coaches, 100, you know, recruiting analysts uh you know every friend's hitting them up and and it's just it's a lot to handle so uh sometimes kids commit early but it but i also think at the same time justin he's very analytical he did take his time with the process he did explore all of his options and i don't know if he would have made a choice if it wasn't the one that he was going to stick with so unless something were to change i wouldn't expect him to flip but i do think that notre dame is going to continue to recruit him hard and could still be in play for him Flint, uh, another one of those Illinois recruits who will have options to to go sort of wherever he wants is Taylor Taylor, a wide receiver we have ranked as the number 26 overall prospect in the 2025 class out of Geneva, Illinois. He was on Notre Dame's campus this past weekend. What kind of talent is he? How does he compare to maybe some of the other big time re- receivers in the Midwest that we've seen in recent years? He's an elite, elite, elite talent. Um so uh, his dad played at Iowa and in the NFL. Um, he is, it's funny because like with, with, with talent, I didn't know a ton about him until I started seeing him at off season events. Like I knew of him. I watched his film. I'm like, this kid's going to be good. And I saw him in person. I was like, this kid's going to be elite. So um, I remember uh, just going back after probably the eighth or ninth time I've seen him in person and evaluated him. And it was, it was after I think a pylon seven on seven. And we were getting ready for rankings meetings and I had this kid, uh, you know, way towards the top and like half the people hadn't heard of him. And they're like, how are we going to put this kid who has like four offers? Um, you know, how are we going to put him like in the top 25? And I was like, you got to, I was like, he is, he he's as good or better than Carnell Tate at the same age. And mm-hmm. he's probably the second best young receiver I had seen since Jeremiah Smith. And so um, to me, he's, he's very good. Uh, he's got the genetic profile. His mom is the head softball coach at North central college. Like he's just, you know, it, it's all about, you know, it's all about ball, <laughs> any kind of ball sports. And he, so he grew up with that background. Um, he loves the game. You know, he's a, he's tall, he's long, as you can see, you probably saw him on campus. I mean, like he's, he, he continues to grow. So, and he's got the speed to stretch the field and it doesn't always look like he's a burner. Um, but he, he just covers so much ground. He's so smooth. Like he just covers so much ground. And then the way he tracks the ball, adjusts his body, the, you know, catching with his hands, uh, he just has so much upside. Um, he's, he's also very, for being a young kid, he's, he, he's pretty polished. He's come a long way, uh, a long way in the past year. Uh, but yeah, he, he'll continue to grow. He'll continue to develop. And obviously, um, I was, you know, after going out on a limb on him, I was very happy to see him begin to get offers from places like Georgia, Notre Dame and all of that. So, um, but no, he's, he, he's an elite talent. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really high on him. I, maybe I'm higher on him than, than a lot of other places or other sites, but I've also seen him the most. I've probably seen him 12, 15 times in person. So I'm pretty confident with my evaluation. So quarterback Deuce Knight came up and visited just ahead of Notre Dame's big recruiting weekend. And it feels like Notre Dame did very well with that visit. Um, I know he's transferring schools. He's moving from Loosedale, Mississippi, up into Lipscomb. Yeah. So I'm curious what you think he'll get out of that experience in Tennessee. And then also, if Notre Dame ends up with him, kind of your thoughts about his fit and, and how elite is this kid? 
I think he's got a chance to be very elite. Um, he's, uh, you know, kind of like in Bryce Underwood fashion, like he can be a true pocket style passer, but he can also be a true dual threat quarterback. Like, so he's got the arm talent, you know, the mechanics, everything to stand in the pocket, but then he's also got that mobility and really, you know, those are, those are the best kind of quarterbacks. If you can keep them healthy and they don't run too much, you know, you, you love guys who can scramble with their eyes down the field. Uh, and then the, the, the biggest thing that these guys do now, you know, an elite quarterback is an elite quarterback, whether they can run or not. But the biggest thing that a guy who can run is it puts pressure on the defensive coordinator. It puts pressure. It, it limits your call sheet. You have to call coverages based on accounting for that quarterback. So you're not 11 defenders going against 10 defenders like you are with a quarterback who's no threat to run. You're literally 11 on 11 defense. So you've got to have an extra run support guy. You've always got to have an eye on them because a play can break down. You can go from what would be a sack with a pocket style quarterback to all of a sudden an explosive play on third and long, and it changes an entire game. Um, and then you just look at his quick release, the way he sees the field, like some of those uh, shots where he's hitting these little seam balls, like right over the top of a linebacker and fitting it in under a safety. Those are elite throws and they're coming out quick. Uh, ball spins really well off his hands. So you love it from a young quarterback. I think he's got a chance to be special. I think he can, uh, add a different dimension to the offense, you know, um, you know, you'd love to have a guy like CJ Carn, a guy like him on the same roster. I'll, I'll tell you that because there's a lot you can do with him. Even if he's not the starter right out the bat, you put in packages for him and you, you just create all kinds of headaches for a defense. And could that, could his transfer be significant in his development being at Lipscomb Academy in Nashville? Yeah, I, 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 I think it could be. I mean, like Lipscomb is, you know, they're always going to have good coaches. Now Dilfer's gone. Uh, right. So that's, that's a little different now. You know, you had a quarterback guy there and, and Lipscomb always has quarterbacks. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that is a very well-organized college run program. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it could mean a lot for his development. I don't know a ton about Mississippi football. I know there's a lot of raw talent there. Um, but I do know that in that Nashville area, he, he's going to get coached up. He's going to get trained up and he's at a school that produces players. And so when you're around, you know, a lot of good players and, and guys who are not only raw talents, but fundamentally sound and everything like that, you know, uh, I, I think it will, it'll be good for his development. Well, all right, Clint, we could talk to you for hours, but we know you got to get going. So we appreciate <laughs> you taking, taking time to talk to us um, and best of luck on the sleeping front. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Always a pleasure. We'll see you soon. Now it's time for questions. You can submit questions to us on Twitter or the Insider Lounge message board before every podcast. I'm at TJamesND and Eric's at EHansonND. First one we have for us is from CCC90 on the Insider Lounge. Why go with a $3 billion company that is hanging on by a thread versus a $170 billion company that all the kids and future players prefer? It's a head scratcher. You know what? This is out of my purview, <laughs> but I know it's very important to our fan base, including CCC90. Um, and <laughs> until Notre Dame is willing to take questions on this and it's official and everything, I'm not sure that we're going to get to the bottom of it. I could speculate that, you know, Notre Dame likes being the kind of anchor client for. Uh, Under Armour, it's a lot of money. It's going to be the richest contract in the history of college sports. So I, I think Notre Dame likes that and feels like they're going to get the individual attention. It sets them apart a little bit. But I also, I mean, my opinion is that I remember when the last contract came and all the promises Under Armour made about sports science advances and things of that nature, and never delivered on those. So I think from that standpoint, I could see why fans would be disappointed. I think there are fashion things and other factors and so forth where people really preferred Nike. But that's about as deep dive as I can get with this question, just based on my knowledge. Yeah, and if anyone missed it, um on Monday night, I'm trying to make sure I got my days of the week straight. Uh, Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports reported that that Notre Dame will be extending its deal with Under Armour with, with another 10 year deal, um, and calling it the most uh, 
the largest in, in college athletics history um, with it being uh, expected to bring in $10 million per year um, for Notre Dame um, in a combination of cash and uh, equipment um, or and a slash apparel. Um, I, it's a good I mean, thing. It's not stock, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I think money matters. And uh, the fact that it's the most lucrative deal in the country probably answers the question of why Notre Dame would do that. Um, certainly that becomes a problem if Under Armour can't fulfill it. Um, if, if Under Armour goes belly up, but I would imagine Notre Dame has done a lot of research and trying to make sure that that's not a situation that would be happening. Um, but Notre Dame, Notre Dame's independence comes with a cost and it's not going to be able to make as much money um, through media rights as other schools are. And so it has to use things like it's a peril deal um, to maybe make up some of the difference there. Now it's not even at $10 million a year, that is um, just a chunk of change compared to like some of the media deals we're talking about. Um, but I think it, I think it matters. And, and I, I think that, um, like you said, Under Armour, Notre Dame sort of being the premier Under Armour client makes a difference. Um, Notre Dame likes being different. Um, so I imagine those things all sort of came into play as as Notre Dame explored its options. And I mean, I I, I would imagine if another if another like if Nike or Adidas was putting a uh, a more putting more money on the table, then I think Notre Dame probably would have taken that. But I, I don't my guess would be that that's not, that's not the case. All right. Next question is from at Mike Devoy one on the hazing topic, Bob Morton spoke of. And, and for those who didn't listen, Bob Morton was our guest on our previous inside Indy sports podcast. Um, he spoke of the importance of humbling the freshmen that puzzle, that statement puzzled me. Uh, the ones whose egos need deflating would get that on the field. What am I missing? I think what you're missing is, uh, and I think Notre Dame gets less, or the, they get fewer freshmen that need ego deflating than they did in Bob's time. But it's kind of a re-socialization process. You have guys coming in who's who's had their heads blown up for three years getting recruited, how being told how great they are, five-star guys, four-star guys. They come in thinking that they don't smell and they're, you know, don't have flaws and you want guys that are unselfish and coachable and willing to, you know, put their egos aside and sacrifice for the team. And so there's, I, I think this is similar to boot camp and, and the military. They're not just doing that to get into condition. There's some breaking down and then building back up as a camaraderie, as a unit rather than individuals. But you know, Bob didn't mention him by name, but I, I would think Jimmy Clausen was a prime example of the Bob Morton era of a freshman coming in. I mean, he comes to the College Football Hall of Fame in South Bend at the time in a limousine with all kinds of rings on, championship rings, and talks about the rings that he's going to win um, for Notre Dame. He shows up, his dad buys a house across the street from campus drives him to practice in a golf cart, wants to be in on the quarterback uh, meetings with Charlie Weiss put a kibosh on. But, you know, there needed to be some humbling of Jimmy Clausen coming into the door where he was a team player. It's not just about your abilities and so forth and and that kind of thing in the practice field. Yeah, that'll uh, shape you. But if you're not, if you're like, well, I'm going to get in the transfer portal or I'm going to, you know, they're, they don't appreciate me. You want somebody that's going to be coachable and willing to work hard. And I think that's kind of part of the re-socialization process, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think even the best freshmen need an ego check that even Joe Walt and Kyle Hamilton need that in some way. Now, Joe Walt didn't come to Notre Dame with the same sort of expectations that Kyle Hamilton put on him. Um, but I mean, you're, you're just not going to be the same kind of player at, at Notre Dame as a freshman that you were as a senior in your high school. So it, it's it's just like what kids go through when you when you you're the oldest kid in an elementary school and then you go into middle school. I think all those things happen, and I think to be sort of part of a team makes it makes that extra important and, and requires sort of this 
idea of that everyone's the same, everything needs to be earned and, and nothing is given. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that plays a role, but I, don't, I, I also like, to me, it's, it's a part of like carrying on the tradition, like understanding the standard, like for the offensive line and those guys talk about it. Um, even Zeke Carell talked about it on Monday. Like at first when the four freshmen came in this summer, it was a, probably a little bit of a culture shock for them, even though they've heard so much about what it's like to play offensive line at Notre Dame, you get in there and you sort of have to figure it out and, and work your way through it. But um, you, you learn how, how things are done at Notre Dame when you're doing them yourself. Um, and I think that is part of the, um, the humbling that, that comes with being um, a freshman at the college level. All right, next question is from Robert Halicki at bhalicki5859. Who leads the wide receivers with receptions, yards, and I believe he meant touchdown catches, although he left out the word touchdown. Doesn't have to be the same guy, obviously. I feel JT, Jaden Thomas, will lead with catches, Tobias with yards and touchdowns, outside shot with Chris Tyree with touchdowns, question mark. For me, just kind of watching practice, the easy answer is Jaden Thomas for all three of them. And I mm-hmm. uh, base that on the comfort level with the quarterbacks throwing to him. And just in every drill, I mean, he catches really good passes and he catches the bad ones and he makes it look good. I think he's going to be a security blanket for Sam Hartman that that's the guy I can look to on third down. That's the guy I can look to in the red zone. You know, Tobias is going to beat some people down the field and he's just going to out-athletic them. And I, I do think um, Chris Tyree has a chance to to be a guy that amasses some statistics. I also think Jane Greathouse is going to get involved in that rotation uh, a little bit more. And, and certainly Jaden Thomas has... Deion Colsey at his position, but I think you can move Jaden Thomas around in the formation where he's not always the boundary receiver and he's just going to get more opportunity. So I'm going to, I'm going to wuss out and say Jaden Thomas for all three. Yeah. That's, that's was sort of my first uh, reaction slash instinct. Um, I went with Merriweather for yards just to sort of throw a wrinkle in there. Yeah. Um I I like Chris Tyree and I think he's probably going to do more than maybe what people expected when the he was moved in the in the spring. Um but I don't know that he's going to be a leader in any of those categories. Um and Jaden Thomas just in terms of the, t- the touchdowns, I feel like he has to be the pick unless um unless Tobias Merriweather's hitting on a lot of long touchdowns. I don't see him being sort of the same uh red zone threat as Jaden Thomas not that Tobias can't do that but Jaden just um has a better physicality to him that I think plays better in the red zone um so that's why I would go with him for touchdowns but I feel very confident that he's going to lead in receptions I I would be a bit surprised if he wasn't the leading receiver in receptions based on how things have been going so far um for him and with Sam Hartman and the way Notre Dame's offense has been looking all right, next question is from Andrew Callen at A. Callen 1. Pressuring the quarterback seems like a big question mark for this defense. What have you seen that excites you and what worries you there? And also a pass, pass rush bellwether prop bet. 2023 Jordan Botello, more sacks or penalties? Okay, I'll start with a prop bet. And I would have said before this year, penalties over sacks for Jordan. <laughs> I think um, – uh, we had a chance to talk to defensive line coach Al Washington today, Jordan Batello, and a lot of the other defensive linemen. I spent a lot of time with Jason Anye, and he was trying to describe the difference in Jordan Batello. He said he was scared of Jordan when he <laughs> first came on campus. He, they were locker room neighbors, and uh, he thought he was pretty scary, but he's playing with so much more discipline and under control. So I'm going to give him the sacks and he's, you know, that's what he's good at. Um, He's always been good at the sack part of it. So as a unit, what makes me feel better about it? I think being in the same system for the second year in a row and talking to both the quarterbacks and the defensive linemen today, 
they're just so much more clear on how they can pressure the passer and so forth. Now, again, they lost you're the all-time sack leader and lost the Adam Alola twins, and those are big losses. Uh, but I think um, I was encouraged by what I saw in the spring. I've been encouraged so far what I see in the fall. I'm also encouraged that they really truly believe that they can be very good at rushing the passer. They can't wait to show people. Now, sometimes, you know, teams are in for a rude awakening when they have that attitude. And what else are they going to say that we're going to be lousy at it? But <laughs> you can tell in their body language, you can tell in practice. I mean, there's guys that are very athletic with a lot of bursts. And I think Jason Anye in the interior is another reason. I think that interior is going to be able to kind of collapse the pocket sometimes too and help the edge guys so i am more optimistic i want to get a little bit deeper into um training camp before i get real excited about my prediction but i think i've been encouraged by the signs i've seen so far um i've been more encouraged by what i've heard than versus what i've seen i don't know that i've seen a lot that that excites me um I think I think the stuff that I did like going back to the spring was maybe the different pass rush looks that Notre Dame was willing to engage in and and throw different looks at the at the offense and different personnel groups and different personnel groups. But in terms of like if you're asking Notre Dame's front front four to get pressure, I don't know that I've seen a lot of that. I, I think that Jordan Botello has that potential to do that and take a step up. I'm intrigued by Javante Jean-Baptiste. Everyone that I talk to about him sort of talks about he's going to surprise some people coming to, coming into this season. Um, so I, 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 I'm not saying that they won't be successful, but I, I can't say that I like, I can't point to like, here's five plays that make me confident in what this defensive line is going to do as pass rushers. We just, and that's not that meaning it's not happening in practice. That's why I'm saying the things we've heard are, are positive but we're just not getting an opportunity to see those kinds of things. We'll get to see our last full practice of the fall uh, of preseason camp um, next week. Um, so next hopefully Tuesday. So hopefully we get a chance to, to see that um, there, because I think that's certainly definitely one of the biggest question marks coming into the season, as Andrew um, suggested. Um, as for the yeah. Botello prop bet, I would, I would go with, with sacks over penalties, but I think it's going to be tight. <laughs> It's so much easier for us to answer the questions when we see competitive periods. We're we're seeing more fundamental periods when we see periods one through five. Yeah, the only yeah the only time we saw O line versus D line reps was the very first practice of of camp, and it's hard to learn a ton about guys when they're not even wearing shoulder pads yet, especially on the line. All right, next question is from Marie Biafore at Biafore underscore Marie. Can you both predict what you think will be the primary punt and kick returners for the year? Um, and that is taking some psychic ability, Marie, because it feels like Marty Biaggi is expanding the field before he contracts it. He's adding in some of the June arriving freshmen and the transfers like Devin Ford and taking a look at them. I think the other day, I was writing down all the numbers of people that were doing the kickoff returns. And I know it was double digits uh, and then punt returns. It just seems like there's still a huge group there. So my guesses for punt returns, I would say Jaden Greathouse or Rico Flores. And for kickoff returns, I mean, I think Tyree's going to be in that mix. I could see Devin Ford, Love, and Jabron Payne all, even Jadarian Price. I mean, I think all those running backs are going to get a look. I mean, there's other positions too. But I think when it comes down to it, if Chris Tyree is showing them something different, now he's a wide receiver, um, I think he'll get the nod. If not, I think it's going to be Ford or Love, somebody like that. Yeah, today there were guys back catching punts from the the not a jugs machine, whatever their newest one's called, Monarch, I think is what it's called. Um, and those four off the top of my head were Chris Tyree, Matt Salerno, Jaden Greathouse, and Jaden Mickey. Um, and the rest of the special teams players were doing punt block scenarios. So 
I wouldn't imagine if you're actually a punt returner that you'd be involved in punt block drills. Um, so I would guess that the punt returner will come from that foursome. And Tyree was sort of the first guy catching them. So maybe yeah. I don't know if that's a true pecking order. But um, so if I had to guess, I would say maybe Tyree for both of them. Um, but he was I, doing I think, it in the spring, too. I think I think there's certainly an opportunity for some other guys to to be added to that kick return mix. Um, and if it's not Tyree as a punt returner, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Salerno just because of the, they know what they have in him. I know that won't excite people. Um, but I, and I, but I do think Jaden Greathouse would be sort of the other guy that I, I would point to as a guy that could do either of them punt returning or kick returning. So those would be the three guys that I would look for. Um, Salerno more with punts than, than with kick returns, but then Tyree and Greathouse for either of those. I was watching the offensive lineman 75% of our, practice window and i will confidently say none of them are in the mix <laughs> don't tell sullivan after that <laughs> <laughs> all right next question is from ryan urquhart at urquhart crna will notre dame receive any new verbal commitment soon from the grill and chill event last weekend if so who and as we alluded to earlier in the podcast with our interview with clint um, justin thurman became the first to commit to notre dame following a visit this past weekend as he uh, announced his commitment earlier on Tuesday afternoon, um, four-star running back uh, out of Tampa, Florida, originally from St. Louis um, has very, has some electric um, talents. Um, he was really impressive in terms of broad jump and the 40 yard dash um, when he competed at a camp at, at Notre Dame at Notre Dame this summer. Um, and so that's the first bit of good news. I have a list on the Insider Lounge for our subscribers of guys who I think Notre Dame leads for. Um, so I, I think that uh, multiple of those guys will eventually commit to Notre Dame. How soon? I think that the, the the other person who I already have had a Rivals Future Cast prediction in for, who I actually put I put predictions in for both Owen Strebig and Justin Thurman earlier this summer um, on the same day. And so Thurman has made me look good, and we'll see if Owen Strebig does the same at some point. Um, he's just been to Notre Dame so many times that I wouldn't be surprised if he went ahead and sort of pulled the trigger sooner rather than later. Um, but that would be sort of my number one candidate in terms of committing soon for, for Notre Dame a, a, after obviously Justin Thurman, who has already done so. All right. Next question is from Irish 92 on the insider lounge. Will you be surprised when the Irish win the national championship this year, or did you know it all along? Go Irish. Well, I'll just say before I answer that question, everything Tyler said was correct. So <laughs> I'm endorsing that. Yeah, I will be surprised and I'll own it. I'm not saying that I think it's impossible for them to win it, but I think it would be foolish for me to predict it and to really think it. There's a lot of things that would have to fall into place for Notre Dame to do that. And again, remember, you know, in the playoff era, it, it's going to, actually get harder with the having to win more games with the 12 team playoff mm -hmm. but you still have to beat two elite teams in two games when Notre Dame played Alabama at least they only had to beat one now they didn't come close to that <laughs> they couldn't beat them for a quarter <laughs> they only had to be you know uh David on one night instead of two nights but uh uh you know, I again, I think anytime you have a quarterback the caliber of Sam Hartman, surprises can happen. If he is the guy who I think he is and who Marcus Freeman thinks he is, you know, it's going to make this season more interesting than if they had a quarterback where everybody was calling for the backup. So, right. But I will be surprised. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to to say we wouldn't weren't surprised considering how long it's been since Notre Dame won a national championship. And they haven't been particularly close in terms of the outcomes on the field when it's, when it's come to their opportunities to win it in those BCS or playoff scenarios. So um, the biggest thing, like sort of we talked about earlier, the defensive line, if you're going to win a national championship, you're going to have to have a, an elite defensive line. And we don't know that Notre Dame is in that, category right now we do i think it also takes an elite quarterback and notre dame should have that covered for maybe the best in the best way that they have in quite some time um but do they have the defensive line to do that i think the offensive line can get to that elite level 
Um, we like the cornerbacks, but I think the safeties and the defensive line unit specifically would hold the key in terms of it being a realistic opportunity for Notre Dame to do there. And I think those positions would have to take fairly significant leaps in order to get to the level where you would feel not surprised if Notre Dame won a national championship. And jumping back to the earlier question about pass rush, another reason why I feel confident that they can maybe surprise is because the cornerbacks are so good. They don't have to protect them. In fact, <laughs> the cornerbacks will make it easier for Al Golden to take some risks with blitzes. All right. Uh, next question is from Irish John 68 on the Insider Lounge. What are recruits and fans' thoughts on the new green uniforms for the Ohio State game? Charleston and Tyler have been monitoring that a little bit more than I have. Uh, the first thing, and I, I posted this, the first thing that came to mind for me was, and this shows my age, if you remember Gumby and Pokey from, you know, Captain Kangaroo, that they were, that was a thing. They were like these figures that would animate a claymation, they move and so forth that looked like Gumby to me. I wasn't extremely excited about it like if tyler made me wear that color to do my interviews in i'd be okay with it but i wouldn't feel like my interviews would be better but i think the general reaction is that people like that shade of green so i need to shut my mouth <laughs> yeah i mean i think the, I, you're never going to do anything in the, in the with the notre dame fan base that's going to please everyone um i think Especially anybody over 25. Right, you're right. Especially, yeah, when you're talking about the, the, the wide range of ages for Notre Dame fans, like the younger fans are usually going to be, be more open to the different uniform combinations um, than the older fans. Um, and if the older fans are open to that, they're going to want to see something that they've seen before that's maybe a throwback to what Notre Dame has done in the past. And this is a bit different than what it's done. Um with its green uniforms, the, the closest thing that this compares to, in my opinion, is those Fenway Park jerseys um, that Notre Dame won for wore for a Shamrock Series game. Um, I sort of buy the, the thought that it would look better with gold pants. I know a number of people have sort of expressed that, um, but I, I don't. I don't mind Notre Dame doing something different. Um, I think recruits even if they don't love the Jersey and the way it looks itself, I think they just are into the idea of different combinations and having knowing that the school that they're going to is interested in doing this and something like that and having sort of a change of pace and how, how that sort of inspires the fans to, to wear green for the games. I, I am one who's definitely in favor for, for Notre Dame to finally, which they haven't always done pair up green jerseys with an Irish wear green message to the fan base where they I always thought it was funny when they're asking fans to wear green when the, the players themselves aren't aren't wearing green um but the, the, they're on brand and on message there um so I think uh um there's certainly mixed opinions but I think um they definitely could be worse um they're not I wouldn't say they're my favorite um but uh they're probably somewhere in the middle of the pack in terms of sort of different uh offshoot uniform combinations that Notre Dame has has worn over the last decade plus. All right, last question for us today, Eric, is from at Charles W. Wolf. Saw the green jersey promo video. How many Notre Dame beat writers would it take to tackle Audric Estime? I would say it depends on how many of them have good insurance plans. Uh, <laughs> so he he could definitely harm you super nice guy but i mean that's not going to help you because <laughs> he, he's he knows his own strength he'll just run over us i i don't have any hope my hope is just to throw him off balance um and maybe he'll be laughing so hard seeing me try to tackle him that'll make him fall down yeah i don't know what our I, I, there are some athletic members of the beat writing staff uh, or the beat, our beat writing on our staff charleston um, i don't know how many people have the speed to catch audric estimate so we have to keep them in front of us so i don't know if we have to do some sort of like red rover style <laughs> hand in hand to, to combine a bunch of us to, to be able to slow them down to get to not be able to run around us um but yeah i don't like our odds i it would definitely be more than his jersey number um so you you we need probably closer to 10 10 uh uh, members of the the beat writing staff to to take down Audrey Estime, and I I still think uh, at least a few of them 
or us. Um, I know I wouldn't be with much help. Um, would be, be leaving with some sort of injury. All right, that is it for today's episode of the Inside Indie Sports Podcast. If you don't already, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other popular podcast platforms. If you like what you hear, give us a star rating, leave a review, and share our podcast feed with your favorite conference commissioner. We are back on YouTube on Thursday night for Football Never Sleeps, so make sure you subscribe to us over there. Even if you listen to the audio that we end up putting on this podcast feed, the likes and subscriptions, even though they're free, do end up helping us out. So we appreciate if you could head over to the Inside Indy Sports YouTube page and, and give us a subscription um, and some likes and comments on some of the videos we're posting over there, which include highlights from practice um, and also some of the interviews that happen after practice um, that we get access to. Um, we have a lot of quality content on InsideIndySports.com with Charleston Bulls killing it on the recruiting front, as we mentioned Justin Thurman's commitment earlier today, he was all over that and had stories and uh, quotes quotes from, from Justin um, ready to go for when that was announced. Um, and, of course, all three of us are contributing to the the lots and lots of football coverage with, with camp rolling and plenty of interview opportunities and some viewing opportunities as well. Um, the Insider Lounge is starting to buzz with the anticipation of the season coming, and I'd like to see the, our membership continue to be active there, so you should definitely consider subscribing to the site if you haven't already like i mentioned earlier today um yesterday in my intel from the grill and chill event i, I ran through um who i thought Notre Dame leads for coming out of that visit um weekend and i included nine players on that list so um i, I think it's something you would be interested in if you aren't subscribed to us already um so go ahead and check that out and uh we'll be back for another podcast next week um, but until then stick with insideindysports.com for all your notre dame coverage needs 